Hi, everybody. This is Karen Fabian, founder of Bare Bones Yoga, and I want to welcome you to my podcast, Conversations for Yoga Teachers. This is episode 53, and this is going to be the first in a series of four short episodes because I'm going to be taking you down a path. And I thought that since I've had the podcast now for over a year, and I've been so encouraged by the number of listeners, the comments, the feedback. I thought it would be really interesting to use the podcast and the platform I've created with you to share information in, in kind of a sequential way, meaning it's going to be a little bit of a journey. Now, I know that uh, if you're like me, your time for listening to podcasts is limited. So what I'm going to do is I've designed this series so that each episode is going to be short. So I'm going to, after this introduction, kind of get right to it in terms of the content because I don't want to take up a lot of your time. What I really want you to do is just put in your mind as you're listening to this first one today that this is the first in, in a series of four short podcasts. And I want you to make a commitment, if you are interested, uh, once I begin this episode, in making this podcast a part of your day for the next four days. Because the journey really will make sense if you listen to these podcast episodes in sequence, one after the other. It'll be a little bit harder if you listen to the first one and then wait a while and then listen to the second one. And there's also a benefit to listening to all of them sequentially day after day because there's going to be kind of a, an end game here that will show up on the last day. And because these episodes are time sensitive, if you're listening three weeks after they post or a month after they post or they're not gonna have as much uh, impact when you get to the last one. The content will still be good, but the opportunity will no longer be available. So that's all I'll say for now. Let's kick off this first episode. So I called this episode, What is the One Thing Teachers Come to Me to Learn? And as you know, if you're a yoga teacher, and I'm sure you probably are if you listen to my podcast, since it's called Conversations for Yoga Teachers, chances are that's, that's you. Um, as you know, there are a lot of different things we can focus on when we are a yoga teacher, right? We can focus on spirit, we can focus on anatomy, we can focus on mindfulness, we can focus on breath, you know, we can break down a topic like mindfulness, mindfulness into a bunch of different subtopics. We can you know, teach uh, in a way that empowers people. We can focus on sensation. There's just yoga philosophy. There's just so much we can focus on. I can say that the one thing that teachers come to me to learn is anatomy. And for those of you who've been connected with me in one way or another via this podcast or some other of my formats, whether it's social media or my YouTube channel or one of my books, um, you know that anatomy is my specialty. And it's not just my specialty, it is absolutely my passion. Um, honestly, even from teaching little kids, because I teach yoga to children, even from teaching children about different bones in their body and what their rib cage is and where their lungs are, to my primary focus, which is of course working with teachers, 
teaching anatomy and sharing anatomy in understandable ways is absolutely my passion. And I can say that almost nine times out of 10, you know, in part, of course, because it is my specialty, people come to me for that. But overall, across the board, this seems to be the one area where teachers seem to have the most questions. And when I look at my private Facebook group, which is called the Bare Bones Yoga Anatomy Work Group, I ask admission questions before people are accepted into the group because I wanna make sure they're there for the right reasons. And far and away, the main reason that they're there and by their own stated answers to the questions, they want to learn better anatomy-based cues. Now, so if that's kind of my proof of concept, right, um, is, is to demonstrate that this is a real need. And so if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're like, eh, not really for me, maybe this won't be of interest to you. But if you're out there and you're like the hundreds of teachers I've talked to over the years through interviews on my podcast, comments in this Facebook group I just referred to, emails I get from people, teachers I see when I do trainings in person, then you know that anatomy is a gap. It's something that um, you're probably trying to learn that I know lots of teachers are trying to learn. And so what's the problem here, right? I mean, after a while, I started to say to myself, why is this such a trend? And, and quite frankly, it really was starting to concern me and it, and it, dil, it still does. Although the good news is I've got a solution. Um, however, I will say that my concern continues to rise the more commonly or the more frequently I hear this. So I know that the problem in general is that, um, and maybe not even in general, I know that part of the problem, right? We're not going to say it's the whole problem, but part of the problem is learning anatomy is just not happening in teachers' 200-hour trainings. It's just not. And there are many reasons for that. Um, in part, we are part of an industry that trains teachers in a very decentralized way, meaning that there are hundreds, if not thousands of trainings happening all over the country, all over the world at any point in time. There is very little um, follow-up or quality assurance done uh, by you know, any kind of centralized licensing board or accreditation board. Um, you know, of course we have in our industry, Yoga Alliance, there's very little knowledge as to if the teachers presenting anatomy truly know anatomy. And then there's all the different challenges that exist when you look at the teachers. Are they paying attention? Are they really contributing? Are they asking questions? You know, I know sometimes people fall asleep in training, right? It's obviously very hard to learn something if you're sleeping. So there's many different reasons. However, I don't wanna put the onus primarily on the student teacher, the teacher in training because of the swath of people that I've worked with over the years to, sell, to help them supplement their yoga anatomy knowledge, I know that the system is just not set up for the multitude of teachers going through it to successfully learn anatomy. So what is the attempted solution? What are teachers doing? Well, I know from talking to them that they do things like buy books, go online, try to kind of 
you know, go through different YouTube videos and Google answers to their questions. Um, they invest in more training, right? They spend more money and they use these techniques as a way to fill in the gap, right? They, they know they've already done this 200 hour training, of course, and now they're out there teaching and they realize there's this gap and this is how they're trying to fill it. Now, Ultimately, like I said, what teachers generally say to me is, how this all comes out is, I want to learn better anatomy-based cues. But did you ever think of why? Why cues? It's not like people are coming to me saying, I want to learn more about anatomy. I mean, that is what's underlying it, but everybody seems to be really focused on the cues. So of course, you probably know this, but just to kind of make it a point, the cues are the vehicle for our teaching. We can do a lot of different things as teachers. And I always like to say, think of yourself when you're teaching class as having an imaginary tool belt on. And you've got all these different tools, like a contractor at work building a house. You've got the cues that you use. You've got demos you can do of a particular pose or part of a pose. You could practice with your class. You can give hands-on assists. You can stop class and show them how to do something and have their 100% focus. But in general, cues are the best, most commonly used tool that we have as a teacher, and it's the most scalable. So what does that mean? It means that if I go into a class and I have a big group, it's going to be the best way for me to communicate to everybody at the same time what they need to be doing. It's going to be really hard if I go over to the one student who's not getting my cue and correct that student with hands-on assists, because how is that going to help anybody else in the room that also has a question about the pose? So communicating verbally through the cues that we give is, as a teacher, the most effective, most scalable, most powerful way that we can instruct our students. And guess what? The better we get at cueing, the better it is for us as a teacher when it comes to managing our energy. So let's take into account that in this, we can't deny this, right? You're going into a classroom with a group of people and you have to think about how are you going to maintain your energy so that you can sustain yourself throughout the teaching experience, just like your students are thinking, how are they going to manage their energy throughout the class so that they can sustain themselves and make it to the end of practice without being completely exhausted? Well, if you're going into the studio and you're struggling with what to say and you're stumbling over your words and you're nervous and you're feeling self-conscious, it's very hard to manage your energy effectively. And oftentimes after those kinds of classes, you'll go home, you'll beat yourself up, you'll feel exhausted, you'll feel defeated, and you definitely won't feel like going back into teaching again. So bottom line is, cues are the best, most commonly used tool that we have and the most scalable. So what kinds of cues do we have, right? As teachers, what kinds of cues? So some of you may have uh, watched my webinar on effective cues. If you haven't watched it and you want, just send me a DM on Instagram, Barebones Yoga, or just send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com, and I'll email you the link to the webinar. So in this webinar, I talk about four different kinds of cues that you can use as a teacher. You can use action-based cues, uh, alignment-based cues, anatomy-based cues, and feeling-based cues. 
So let's go quickly through what those are. You probably can figure it out from the names. So action cues are words that are super easy to understand and convey to the person exactly what you want them to do. You want press your heel down, squeeze your back thigh, reach your arms up, draw your belly button into your spine, press your foot back. All those things are cues that are action-based that do not require any level of specialized knowledge or any degree of experience to do. They are super clear. They are great for taking people out of their heads and putting them in their bodies. They're great for keeping people focused on what you want them to do rather than having them get distracted, right? So that's action-based cues. The next kind of cue is an alignment-based cue. So an alignment-based cue focuses on the shape, the shape of the pose. Stack your shoulders over your hips, stack your knee over your heel, lean to the side, twist to the right. So these are alignment-based and they convey shape. Now you can teach from action and alignment and not know squat about anatomy and still teach a really effective class. And in fact, when I work with teachers, that's what I say to them. Hey, when you're learning anatomy, don't fake it. Use action-based cues and alignment-based cues and you will teach a great class. People will be engaged, people will be focused, they will be doing what you want them to do, and you'll be staying in your zone of competence rather than saying things that you don't know are correct and just hoping that nobody asks you a question, right? So then we've got anatomy-based cues. So this is a higher level of knowledge. These kinds of cues require more knowledge and more integrated knowledge, right? It's one thing for me to learn, this is the femur, this is the glute max, this is external rotation of the hip. It's a totally different thing and a higher degree of knowledge and learning to be able to apply anatomy to poses and then an even higher degree of knowledge and skill to be able to apply to body and cues what you're saying and sharing anatomy through the cues that you provide. So anatomy-based cues really are, I don't want to say exactly next level cueing, but it really does require a foundation of knowledge and how to apply it to yoga. And so these cues are things like uh, draw your shoulder blades closer towards your spine. This will contract muscles in your back. By the way, they're called the rhomboids and they work in partnership with muscles in the front of your body, the pectoral muscles. See when you squeeze your shoulder blades together behind you, if you feel some resulting action on the front of your body, see if it feels like length so or lengthening, right? So I'm just kind of playing with the words here in the moment, but I think you get what I mean. So this is a higher degree of knowledge, bringing anatomy into your teaching in a way that is understandable, right? It's not like I'm standing up there saying, hey guys, I want you to turn your shoulder open before you grab your foot to come into dancers. And did you know that to open your shoulder, you're going to be using your terrace minor. Like who wants to hear that? That's really kind of obnoxious and not a way that you would say it. However, to have the knowledge as a teacher that a particular muscle does a particular thing and you want somebody to do that thing gives you a degree of confidence that if someone has a question, number one, you can answer it. And if you need to change up your cue on the fly, you absolutely can do it because you know the underlying why. 
You're not just standing up there sharing information with no understanding about what you're saying beyond just the level of just parroting what you've heard. And then the last kind of cue is uh, a feeling-based cue. So this, you know, gets into the area that we all know yoga has, right? We're not saying it's just about anatomy and bones and muscles. We know it is a feeling-based practice in part. We know it is an opportunity to connect to one's soul and one's spirit. We know it's an opportunity to build mindfulness in our body, in our mind, in our life. So speaking in a way where you're cueing to how does it feel? Not this is how it should feel, or you should feel this, um, but more an invitation to people to say, uh, you know, what are you feeling in this moment? Something you might be feeling is blah, blah, blah. Check in. Are you feeling that? Or maybe to invite people to set aside their thoughts of the day and take a moment to really feel their body connect with their breath or their contact with the floor, whatever ways you do this, there are a myriad of ways to do it. So again, just to summarize, you've got action-based cues, alignment-based cues, anatomy-based cues, feeling-based cues. If you want more on this topic, just DM me or email me, karen at barebonesyoga.com, barebonesyoga on Instagram, and I will send you the full webinar that goes to, uh, with this topic to support it uh, so that you can learn more. So this is where I'm going to end this episode today. This was a short one. This is episode one. There are four podcast episodes short like this. Uh, so stay tuned for tomorrow's episode. Uh, and I'm recording these towards the end of January. So if you're listening to this episode at some point later on in 2020, uh, where this all ends up will most likely not be available to you as an opportunity. Uh, however, the content will still stand. So stay tuned for tomorrow's episode. See you then.